My name is Suzanne Vogel, and I am uh, the lead pastor of both our Bridge Campus and our Meredith Drive Campus, and it is good to be with you this morning. You know, I want to tell you, if you are a parent today, we sure miss your kiddos, and Pastor Bep will be sending you via email a Kids Connection lesson that you can do at home with your kiddos, so you'll want to watch for that yet this morning. Now, Friday... I made the mistake of going to my local grocery store about 9.30 in the morning. Now, I have to tell you, Fridays are my normal day off, and that's where I usually go. It's one of my favorite Sabbath rhythms. I wake up a little later than normal, I have a leisurely cup of coffee, and then I head to what is normally a quiet grocery store and wander the aisles with my earbuds in. It is everything my soul needs. Quiet and creativity and margin. Only Friday, it was exactly none of those things. In fact, it was chaos and panic with a healthy dose of selfishness and terror. And that was just me, people. Just me. Before I knew it, I was buying cans of soup I don't even need or like. It was crazy. My heart was beating, and I had to work not to judge the guy who had just put two big, giant things of toilet paper in his cart. I walked into that store centered and calm, and I left an anxious, hot mess full of panic and painfully aware of how vulnerable I am, how vulnerable we are. And all week long, I've run up against that reality. I've run up against the reality of my own vulnerability. I ran into it trying to figure out how to cram a desk into our spare bedroom. I ran into it worrying if my daughter has enough of the medication she takes every day. I ran into it as I walked out of my office as we closed the church building. I ran into it as I ran into my guilt because I felt the privilege that I have to be able to not go into my building. Some of us don't have that privilege. I ran into it wondering how in the world my husband and I will ever work from the same house without killing each other. And we don't have small kids. How do we stay sane and centered in the midst of a global pandemic and economic meltdown? How do we stay connected when all of a sudden we're stuck in our own homes? Now, three short weeks ago, before all these dynamics began to swirl, we began a series called Anchored in which we asked the question that was first asked by two German theologians at Heidelberg University nearly 500 years ago. What is my only comfort in life and in death? And their answer has anchored generations after them. My only comfort in life and in death is that I am not my own but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. 
He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. And therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me willing and ready from now on to live for him. Now, we started three weeks ago talking about comfort. And then we talked about the comfort of belonging. And last week, Pastor Johnny talked about the comfort that we experience in both our body and our soul when we turn to God. And every week, things have gotten more and more unstable in the world around us. See, it's one thing to be anchored when life is good. It's an entirely different thing to be anchored in a tsunami. So this week, our focus is on that simple phrase, all things must work together for my salvation. All things. Now that's a reference to the eighth chapter in the book of Romans where Paul is talking about suffering. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Spirit has us camped here today. So I want you to hear the whole verse as I read it. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. The first thing I want you to notice is that all things happen to all people. Now that seems obvious, but I think most of us hope that if we trust God and follow Jesus, that somehow we're going to be exempt from this reality. Consciously or unconsciously, we set our faith on our circumstances. So if life is good, then God is good. And we believe that if we love God, only good things really should happen to us. When our friendships or our job or our income is steady, then God is steady. But Paul reminds us later in this chapter that all things, that list of all the things that happen, includes things like poverty and trouble and hardship and danger. Or in today's words, all the things includes things like self-isolation and forced unemployment and COVID-19. Bad things will happen to you and to me. And that shouldn't shock or surprise us. But I think one of the reasons I often get thrown off balance and is because I don't expect that to be true. I say things like, this isn't how it is supposed to be, but that's not the promise. Or I say things like, if I love God, then surely I'll have better circumstances. But that's not the promise either. Until we understand what the promise really is, we're going to be continually tossed around by our anger, our disappointment, and our unmet expectations. See, here's the promise. The promise is that in all things, God works. I want you to hear that again. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. 
all is not chaos. We are not left to cope alone or to drown in our pain. God works. God works to bring good in even the worst circumstances. And that is where we anchor ourselves. Now, part of me would love it if God's definition of working for good would include things like ensuring I'm wealthy or comfortable or well-loved by everyone I meet. But God has something different in mind. In the midst of difficulty, as we fix our eyes on God, his love is actually working to conform us to the image of his son. In all things, both wonderful and horrific, the Holy Spirit is at work drawing us to Jesus Christ, the Savior to whom we belong. Now here's the catch. It can be nearly impossible to see that transformation day to day. Let me tell you something true. I won't look too much different tomorrow than I do today. But I promise if you went to my parents' house in rural Nebraska and could see my pictures from high school, you would realize there's been a lot of change. In fact, for the first time all morning, I am grateful we don't have the capacity to show sermon slides today because I would have felt obligated to put up a picture from my high school years. And let me just tell you folks, it was the 80s. There were a lot of bangs and a lot of hairspray. In the years since then, I have changed. But those changes have happened gradually, kind of like the rock that's polished smooth by the rushing waters of the river. God's promise is that over time, sometimes a lifetime, God works all the circumstances together for our metamorphosis, for our transformation into people who are patient, kind, Good, loving, joyful, self-controlled. In other words, the goal is that we would look and love like Jesus. And that, friends, takes time. So how do we stay anchored in the day-to-day when everything has been turned upside down? If we can't anchor ourselves in that ongoing transformation... The good news is that in all things, God works to bring good in small ways, too. Everyday kind of ways. James 1 says, every good and perfect gift that comes from God, the good things, all of them, the little ones, are grace. Part of what is important right now is to train our eyes to look for those evidences of God's work. Let me give you just a little small example. Nearly two years ago, 10,000 square feet of our original campus was flooded overnight. The day after the flood, a friend sent me a song I had never heard called Waymaker. It's by an artist called Sinatch. Now, as I sat in a dark sanctuary, overwhelmed by the destruction, paralyzed by the scope of it and unsure how to even move forward, the words of that song reminded me who God is. And in the dark, I felt them wash over me. Waymaker, 
miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who God is. I probably listened to that song a hundred times in the months after the flood when I felt discouraged or afraid. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. And God has made a way. He has kept his promises. And here's the crazy part. I never told Sean that story. I didn't ask him to play it this morning when we're all a little overwhelmed and afraid. But God was working in those little tiny details. And as soon as I walked in and heard him playing it, I was reminded again of God's faithfulness over the last two years. Now you can call that a coincidence, but I believe that is the evidence of grace. It's the evidence of God's goodness at work. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. It's evidence of grace. And so every time doctors and nurses show up for work right now, putting themselves at risks for the sake of others, that's God at work. Every time neighbors care for each other, that's God at work. Every time the Spirit helps me be a little more patient and a little less anxious, that is evidence of God working. When we step away from our social media, when we call friends, when we listen to God's voice over the voice of the media, when we reach out and care for one another, that is evidence of God working. See, we remind ourselves and each other, the promise is not that we will experience all things, but that nothing can keep us from God's love. And the beauty is that sometimes we have the opportunity not just to see it, but to join God in his work to bring good to others. When my kids were in the first and third grade, we were having supper one night. And I got a phone call that my dad was being taken to the hospital in Nebraska with chest pains. Naturally, I was really rattled but returned to the table determined to reassure my children. Grandpa's been taken to the hospital, I announced in my best happy voice, but he's going to be just fine. Our daughter, Jessica, looked at me with her perceptive and piercing eyes and said accusingly, you don't know that, Mom. You can't promise that he's going to be okay. And you know what? She was right. She was right, and she refused to be comforted by my false promises. Friends, this morning, as your pastor, part of me wanted to stand up with my best happy voice and assure you that everything is going to be all right. It's going to be just fine. But I don't know that. And that's not the promise. What I do know, down in the deepest part of my bones, 
is that no matter what happens tomorrow, in everything, in all the things, is that God will be at work. And nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from that love. Not death, not life, not angels, not principalities, not the present or the future, pandemics or homeschooling. Because you and I and we and this whole world belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, right now, we become before you in our living rooms, in our hospital rooms, in our cars. And I thank you that you see us right where we are. And you are with us no matter where we are. God, I pray that your tangible love would comfort and surround and remind us that even if we don't feel it, if we can't, even if we can't see it, you are at work. Ground us in the declaration of your people that is 2,000 plus years wide and deep that says, we don't know much, but this we know, that in you, we are not alone. your love doesn't just pursue us it holds us spirit of the living God meet us move us and all God's people said Amen Amen